y'all doing? You have a good day? Glad to be here. Me too. I'm glad to be here. Of course, I'm sort of like Minnie Pearl. I'm glad to be anywhere right now. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, boy, I'm glad you're here tonight. It's great to see you. And I trust the Lord's going good with us a good time. And I want you to take your Bible tonight and turn with me to the book of Exodus. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever asked you to do something that you felt like was just too big? You just couldn't do it. Too hard. You just couldn't do it. Too deep. You couldn't go through it or too high. You couldn't go over it. God just had put something in front of you that just seemed too big for you to do. I believe that's what happened when he came to Moses on the backside of the desert, appeared to him at the burning bush, and he said, Moses, I've got a job for you. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. He had an encounter with God. God told him what he wanted to do. And he went through those four stages that most of us go through a lot of times when God comes to us. First stage, stage what, I, what I call, was the doubt stage. He said, who, me? Who, me? And then he says, yeah, you. And then there's the, the denial stage. He said, not me. Remember, he said, go get Aaron. Somebody outside me, Lord. Who, me? No, not me. And then the submission stage. He said, okay, me. I'll go. And then the victory came after that. The success came after he Submitted to the will of God for his life. Do you remember I told you last night, and I hope one of the things you'll take out of this conference, this revival meeting, that I told Mayday last night after I got home, I called her and I said, Babe, you know what? I'm really preaching to myself. I'm letting all these folks listen because I just believe, you know, what, what I need and what I need sometimes we all need. So I'm just preaching my heart out to me and I'm hoping everybody's enjoying it. But don't ever forget this. Embrace the challenge in order to experience the miracle. You've got to embrace the challenge. You've got to say, God, what do you want me to do? And you know what I found? A lot of times we head out to do God's will and get distracted. We just get off on another tangent. I told you I'd tell you another embarrassing story. Can I tell you an embarrassing story right quick? You mind? This is good, true confession, good for the soul. I was working in Louisville, Kentucky, and our church was growing, and man, it was big and popping and growing. And uh, we had a man come to see us, and he said, I've got 80 of the most beautiful acres on the other side of the river. Now, you know Louisville is located right on the Ohio River. And uh, you cross the river, you can go over into Indiana. And he said, it's right across the river, and uh, we'd like to sell that to you for a youth camp. And I was uh, sort of the executive pastor, and I took the business manager with me, and I said, well, tell me where it is. He said, well, you go down here, cross over the bridge, turn to the left, go down, and he gave me the certain... And, and I said, okay. And again, this is exactly like it happened, just like I said last night. And it was a hot July afternoon, and Mitchell Sipes was our business manager at that time. And, you know, we really, we look kind of funny standing beside each other. You know, Brother Angelus and I, we look kind of funny. My wife... I mean, my mama mentioned that when I was back there. said, who is that big guy standing up there by you? He looks like one of them football players that go to your church. I said, man, you know, we're twins. You know what I'm saying? Y'all ever see twins? That's what we are. But that's kind of the way we were. I was, I'm muscular and, and you know, I'm real muscular. And, uh, and Mitchell was uh, skinny. I mean, he was skinny, folks. He's so skinny when the wind blows, he hums. You know, and um, he was, he was real skinny. And we went, <clears throat> we got in the car, we went across the river. Started down there. I grew up in the woods. I love the woods. I love to hunt. I love to be out in nature. 
And so we, we found the little bridge, and the guy said, there's a little rock bed creek rolling up through this, and, there, and uh, you'll just see it just kind of just meanders around through it. And he says, it's beautiful. And he was right. We parked the car and started walking up there, and I'm, immediately we could get a vision of a youth camp reaching hundreds of teenagers, and, you know, just uh, you, you could see a big pavilion up there. You see a ball field where you put you could see where you could put cabins up on that. All, all I mean, it's just perfectly laid out. And I was walking kind of along the creek because I love to be near water, you know, and water does get me in trouble, whether it's a fountain or a patio. It's, it gets me in trouble. But anyway, I was walking up the creek, going up through that thing, looking at it. And I looked up ahead and it, down here where we were walking, it, it was going kind of like this, which is, you know, run, kind of running over the rocks. It was sort of a rock bed creek. And then I looked up ahead of me, and it got smooth like this. Does anybody know what it means when, a, when it goes from that to this? What does that mean? It's just gotten deep. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know what I was thinking? Fish. <laughs> and so I said, Mitchell, come on, let's look up there and see. And there was sort of some trees that kind of over it like that. And so we walked over there, and I walked down there. And as I'm telling you, I looked down in that deep water, and so helped me God. The bottom was black. And I thought, wow, that is... And then all of a sudden, it started moving. It was covered with fish about that long. Whether they had been trapped in there, because it was shallow on the other hand, or trapped on this, and they stayed in there, and the minnows would come down, you know, and get caught in there. And I don't know, but I mean, that the bottom was black. Folks, I forgot about youth. I reckon at that moment, all the youth in the world could have gone to hell. And I wouldn't... I mean, I didn't... I, I forgot all about the youth. I took off my coat. I said, Mitchell, we've got to get us some fish. He said, Preacher, you're crazy. I said, no, man, we've got to have some fish out of that hole. He said, that's kind of deep. I said, I know it. He said, how in the world are we going to get any fish? I said, well, let me think for a minute. Finally, he said, I said, I know what we'll do. I said, listen, you get up on this end, up where, where it's running, it was running this way. I said, you get up on this end, way down as far as you can. I reached over and I got a big end of a tree that had fallen down with the leaves still on it. And I said, you get down there and you stir in them. If you get them up in the shallow water over here, I'll get me a stick, and I, as soon as they get in the shallow water, I'll whop them, throw them up on the beach with a mess fish on Help me, God, it's true. He said, whatever you say. So we took, I mean, we were dressed just like this, coat tie, everything, you know, and took our coat off, rolled up our breeches legs, cut them as high as we could. Mitchell got over, now I looked at them legs, I said, hairy legs hanging out. Looked like a, looked like a string with a knot tied in it where his knee was. I said, those, those fish going to look at them legs and think they're worms. They're going to eat him. That's what's going to happen. I don't have them need my stick. They'll hang on his legs. But anyway, he got, he got those things. He got that thing. He waded down in there. And I got up here. Man, I pulled my britches up legs high up as I could. I got down in there and I was ready to go. And I was just waiting for them like this. And, he'd do, and they'd come up. And I was just going like this, getting ready to hit one. He got up and they, and they was pretty smart. They'd get up there and they'd see me and then they'd go back in. So I got out a little bit further. You know, reaching. Man, I was in there and I was just like this. And they were just waiting there. You ever get the feeling somebody's looking at you? <laughs> and I looked over my shoulder. Honest to God, I looked like this. There stood the Indiana game warden just like that. <laughs> I said, Mitchell, kill that snake, man. Kill that snake. Kill that thing. Kill that thing. And I've never been so embarrassed. I laid my stick down. I walked up there to where he was. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing good. How you doing? I said, I'm not doing real good right now. <laughs> I said, my name's Bradley Price. I'm a pastor of a church across over here. I said, I'm a preacher. He said, sure you are. Sure you are. 
you try down and catch our fish down here. And I said, well, um, really, we, we, all, we were looking here at this place for a youth camp. He said, well, let me tell you what. He said, you two guys, if you want to come to Indiana over here, you go get you a license and a pole and a hook. You fish like everybody else. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He walked off and left us standing there. My leg, my wet legs hanging out. Mitchell, he looked pitiful over there too, you know. We looked at each other and I started getting roll my breeches leg back down, put my shoes on. I said, Mitchell, let's get out of here. <laughs> We're driving home in silence and I said, If you ever tell anybody what happened in these woods, I'll kill you. <laughs> You know, it's easy to get sidetracked. I mean, you know where you're going. You know what you're there for. But it's real easy if you're not careful to get your mind off on something else. I never did get any fish. And we never did buy that youth camp. I mean, I lost on both counts. And that's what happens a lot of times. And there Moses was. You got your Bible open. I want you to look at something up there in verse 2 and verse 21. Now, here's Moses. You remember the story of Moses. Moses was born... In the great time of trouble and, and all the babies were being killed and, and his mom and dad, they kept him. They saw that he was what the Bible calls a worthy child or a blessed child, a special child. And God told them how to put him. They put him in this little basket. You remember they saved him. Pharaoh's daughter found him, took him in. And he grew up, 40 years he grew up in, in Pharaoh's palace, learned at the greatest schools and all those things. And then, you know, he had that encounter and he killed that man and... and uh, he flew, fled. And now he's 80 years old. 80 years old. And in verse 21 it says, And Moses was content. Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. And so Moses was there. In my estimation, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest leader who had ever lived. You study what Moses was able to do, leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, through the Red Sea, and all the things, leading them out of ex- the exodus, out of Egypt. Greatest leader that ever lived, and there he was, taking care of sheep, messing around. Now, what transformed him? If you look at the next chapter, actually go over to chapter 4, from right up there, where he was content to dwell. Go over to chapter 4, and I want to give you three words in chapter 4 and verse 12. In my Bible, it says, these three words is, Now, therefore, go. Now, therefore, go. Let's get it done. What, what changed? What did it take to make him ready to go? Well, if we go back, there's five things I want you to put down tonight. If you have something to write it on. Because God is leading every one of us. And I hope by now you understand that I don't believe there's... I almost tonight brought two candles up here. A candle is an interesting way of illustrating some real great truths. As you know, we use them a lot of times in the service. But if I had two candles tonight, I'd put one of them over here on this side. And I'd, it'd, be, it'd be tall. I'd, I'd get a big one tonight there. Maybe never even been burned. About that tall. Light it and let it go. And I'd get one over here that's about that long. I'd light it and let it burn. You know what you'd find out about those two candles? The flame on both candles would be the same. If I were to let this one represent somebody who had already used up most of his life 
And this one represents some of the young people in here tonight who are just getting started. Do you understand what the implications of that is? That no matter where they're from here or the oldest person here, if you'll let your light shine for God, both lights can shine just as bright for God Almighty. And a lot of times we forget that. And we say, oh God, let all the young people do it. Or the young people say, God, let those old people do it. And God's trying to say, y'all, y'all do it. All of you do it. Everybody do it. And that's what he was trying to say to Moses here. And there are five things that translated. First of all, I want you to see that Moses needed to know beyond any shadow of doubt that God was real to him. I mean real to him. You see, if you go back over in chapter 2, he talks, it talks over there about where. You remember Moses' mother came and, 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 uh, and she actually raised him. She taught him about God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, she was teaching in Pharaoh's house. But she was teaching her boy about God. Hebrews chapter 11 said that when he came up of age, he made a choice. He knew about God's people. He didn't just know about God. He knew about God's people. It said he made a choice between all the wealth of Egypt. And he counted the reproach of Christ to be of greater value than all the wealth of Egypt. Wow! She did a good job teaching but he still wasn't ready. He may have known about God. He knew about God's people. But here, he meets God face to face. Hey, he's over there and he looks and he sees that fire. And I think, first of all, he felt God's presence. How many of you tonight would agree with me? There have been times in my life when I could feel God's presence. I felt it. I felt him on the mountaintop. When I was so happy and praised God in such a way, I thought my heart would absolutely bust out of My wife was here. She'd make me say burst. But she's not here, so I'm going to say but. You just feel like your heart would bust. And I've been in a valley when I thought my heart would bust. And guess what, folks? I felt the same presence from God on the mountain and in the valley. And His presence is real. And God said, I want you to know you're in my presence, Moses. Take off your shoes, son. He took off his shoes. Not only did he see and feel God's presence, but he saw the fire of God. Preacher. 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 You know what our churches need? We need to see the fire of God. We need to see God's fire come down. How many of y'all ever saw that? Have you ever actually seen the fire of God descend on a place? My mother, who's here tonight, my sister and her husband, preacher. I didn't mean to leave Joe out. He's pastor too. Pastored great church here. And Hannah. When, my, when, my, when I was a little boy, my mother was sick a lot. And I used to travel with my daddy. I've seen the fire of God. As a little old boy, I've seen things happen. You know, I was born in Decatur and got saved down in Coldwater and all around that area right there. And my dad would take me preaching. I've never, I never forget one night. We went to a little old church out in the country somewhere. The place was packed. And I always stand up. I like to go with my daddy because when the meeting was over, he'd always go buy me a half fried chicken. And for a little boy, that was a wonderful treat. Sort of, 
You know what a preacher's belt is anyway, don't you? That's a leather fence around the chicken graveyard. Y'all know that? <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. How come that came out? Oh, Lord, have mercy. But anyway, we went to this little old church. Man, my daddy preached, and, and I mean God moved. I, the fire of God fell in that place. And people were coming down the aisle. And I was just, I was little. I was probably four, maybe four, five, six years old. It's still very clear to me. If you've ever been in those uh, little churches like that, they're usually kind of boxy shaped. And there's a door that goes out over on this side. And there's a door that goes out on that side. And there's a door in the back. Usually three doors out that little church, right? Well, I went out that door and I went out outside and I was playing. All of a sudden, I heard something inside. And uh, I heard, I, it scared me. I heard somebody going, woo, 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 woo. And I said, man. I stuck my head in the door and I saw a little gray, gray-haired woman dressed in a little, just a little simple dress. And she had a little hanky rolled up like this, preacher. She was walking up and down the aisle. She was going, whoo, 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 whoo. I thought, I closed the door. I said, I don't want none of that to get on me. I said, that scared me to death. <laughs> and I got in the car and we started home. I was driving down the road, and I said, Hey, Daddy, I'm going to ask you something. He said, What, son? I said, what's, what's the matter with that woman? Hollering in there like that tonight. My dad started crying. He said, Son, that little old lady had been praying for her husband for 50 years. And tonight, he got saved. And said she had a right to shout and wave her little hanky. And I've seen it. And I long for it. I long for it in my church. I long for it in this church. See, Moses had to know that God was real to him. Don't, don't go in the dark unless you know that Moses had found out that God was real to him. Second thing he had to find out was that he was real to God. So there's one thing to know that God's real to you. So now to say for you to know that you are real to God. And here's this guy out in the middle of nowhere, thought nobody knew where he was. He was a fugitive out in the middle of nowhere. And out of nowhere, a voice comes and says, Moses, Moses. I mean, how did you like it? Caleb, Caleb. <laughs> I promised him I wouldn't get him up here again tonight. <laughs> He's going to whip me if I do. But anyway, I mean, you know, hey, come on, folks. Can you imagine? I mean, just imagine you're out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself, sheep walking around, you're minding your own business. And this voice says, Moses, Moses. And he says, who are you? He says, I'm the Lord. And where you're standing, son, is holy ground. I want to tell you something. Every time God speaks to you, whether it's in a church where you've got your Bible open at home praying and God comes down and starts to fill your soul, wherever God touches you, you're on holy ground. And he just found out that not only was God real, but that he was real to God. You know when he found that out? He found out that God knew where he was. Have you ever wondered if God knows where you are? I have. I've wondered, God, do you know where I am right now? 
God says, yeah. He said, God, do you know uh, who I am? He said, oh, yeah, I know who you are. So not only that, I know what you are. I submit to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, most of us have no idea how God sees you. If, you, if it ever dawned on you how God sees you. I work, my church is on Speedway, just off Speedway Boulevard, Lowe's Motor Speedway. We've got some, a lot of the Speedway group that are in our church. Uh, racing team, leader racing team is in our church, he and his wife. One day I went over to see him and he was showing me. They had a place almost as big as half this auditorium where the racing motors lined up all the way around. I bet they had a hundred of those motors lined up there. They had guys, technicians, and they're in white coats like surgeons. And they have engines that are sitting up on stainless steel tables. You could eat off that floor. They're technicians. And I said, well, what's all, what, all, what is all this about these motors? They said, well, Brother Price, don't you realize if we could get out and get one-tenth of one mile a lap more, we'll spend any amount of money we do. It doesn't matter. One-tenth of one mile. He said, you multiply that by 300 laps and you'll see what a difference it would make by the end, of the end of the lap. I said, that's amazing. And you know me, I, I'm just, I kind of think, I said, let me ask you something. What would it be like if I could get me a Volkswagen and stick one of them engines in it? <laughs> now, folks, I'd like that. I'd just love to get up a stoplight. Somebody next to me just kind of grin at them and say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, Lord, that'd be fun. You know what? Dwelling inside your body is the Holy Spirit of God. And the, to try to compare a Volkswagen with those racing engines cannot be compared with what God sees when He sees at you. And when He sees you. See, God knew who He was. And when it dawned on Him that He was real to God. God had him. God had him. All of a sudden, scales came off his eyes. All of a sudden, he said, whoa, man. And then the third thing. The next thing was, he needed to be able to understand that God, then it's transferred from him, and God began to show him his heart. He said, God said, I want you to see through my eyes. He, he began to understand, up verse three, uh, verse 7 of chapter 3, he said, I want, to, I want to show you something. The Lord said to him, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sorrows. And I have come down to help them. Now you put those four, put those three or four things. I have seen them. I have heard them. I know their affliction. Have you ever felt like God doesn't know who you are or what your afflictions are? I have. Yeah, I have. I was talking with my sister Becky that night. I remember when my heart was given out on me, and I knew it was given out on me. And I couldn't understand why God wouldn't answer my prayer. And I'd walk around, and I'd cry, and I'd say, God, I don't understand. I have given my life to you. And I've gotten reports, God, of you healing other people. Of the same thing I have. And God, why won't you heal my heart? And I'd get on my knees, and I'd cry before God. Say, God, please heal my heart. 
I was laying in the bed in Duke University waiting for a heart transplant. Psalm 71, David said, Oh God, when I'm gray-headed, he said, Lord, don't forsake me until I have shown thy power to this generation. You see, God sees us, and all of a sudden we begin to see people through God's eyes. The only way I can understand what you feel and what you are is to see you through Jesus' eyes and to love you through the heart of Jesus and be able to see that in one. And God said, Moses, stand still, boy. I want you to stand right there. I'm going to take my heart and I'm going to shove it inside you. And what I've heard, I want you to hear. What I see, I want you to see it. What I feel, I want you to feel. I want to put my heart in you, boy. And Moses was never the same. Ever. I have seen them. I have heard them. I understand their sorrow. I am come down to help them. I will send you. Isn't that awesome? You see, sometimes... We want to disassociate ourselves and say, God, let somebody else do it. Well, that's as confusing as a man I heard about on an airplane. And preacher, he had his he had his wedding ring on the wrong hand. Stewardess came by and said, Sir, do you, you realize you got your wedding ring on the wrong finger? He said, Yep, I married the wrong woman. <laughs> Ain't that awful? <laughs> But you know what? I mean, that's what God's trying to tell us. God's trying to tell us, I care about people. I want you to get my heart in you. I want you to feel them like, see them like that. And then the fourth thing, he said, God said, I want you to know I can use what you have to serve me. The most common thing in the nation of Israel among shepherds was what? A little rod or a staff. Everybody used them. Everybody had it. It wasn't worth a plug nickel. If this one broke, you go over and cut you another one, get you another one. You didn't have to spend any money. It was his rod. And God said, let me show you. I don't care what you've got. It's not worth much as long as you've got it. Not worth much. You may be able to sing like the greatest singer that ever lived, but as long as you've got that talent, it's not worth much. You may own a castle on a hill and a cattle on a thousand hills. But as long as you've got it, it's not worth much. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When God says, throw it down. If you'll throw it down, He'll show you what it really is without Him. He threw His rod down what it become. Snake. And that's what all that I have is, as long as I have it. And God said, throw it down in front of me. He threw it down. He said, now pick it back up. He said, I'm scared of it. He said, good. I hate snakes. Only snake is a dead one. Don't talk to me about rat snakes and black snakes. They're all snakes. And I don't know what kind of snake it was he threw down, but I, I wouldn't have picked it up. Boy, I mean, I'd have really had to be... God said, pick it up. He said, okay. And he did. When he did, from that point on, chapter 4, verse 21, it said, And Moses took, listen, the rod of God. He said, I'll transfer what you've got into a rod for God. He said, well, it's not worth much. Neither was that rod. He said, well, preacher, I, you know, I, my life's about gone. Well, 
How many days does any of us have, folks? Come on, talk to me. We've only got today. Is anybody promised tomorrow? No, that means we've all got the same amount of time, right? Throw it down. Pick it up. Let God use what you've got for His glory. And then the last thing, he needed to know those things. God was real. It was real. He was real to God. God cared about people. God can use what you've got. And the fifth thing is this. He needed to know that God would never leave him or forsake him. God was with Moses through thick and thin. And when he came to call a replacement, how would you like to have taken Moses' place? I mean, I've, I've, I've done some dumb things in my life. But taking Moses' place, that'd be like going following Adrian Rogers. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to pray for my brother. From, you know, That's hard to do, buddy. Follow a giant like that with the Lord. We all need to pray. God will give him grace and give the people grace because that's hard. I mean, that's a, that's a big calling. But that's not. they'd only had one leader like that. They'd only had one leader who could take them through the wilderness, bring them out of Israel, take them through the Red Sea, feed them for 40 years. No, 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 there was no, there was no, you know, little store in the corner. And we went to call Joshua and he said, Joshua, don't be afraid, son. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Think of the greatest Christian leader you've ever heard of. Think of the greatest pastor, greatest leader. And God says, as I was with him, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And you, and you, and you, and you. Think about this, folks. God was with Moses when he didn't even know it. He covered him in a basket. He said, you're mine. He was with him when he didn't deserve it. He killed that man. God never left him. He was with he was with Moses when he didn't want it. He fussed with God when they said, "Who are these people you gave me? They're not my people. I don't want nothing to do with them." Bunch of rednecks. He was with him all the time, and he was with him when he couldn't do without him. He was with him at the Red Sea when the enemy was at his back. And the uncrossable ocean was before him. And God was there. He was with him in the wilderness when there was no water. He said, take what you've already laid down, son. Strike the rock. Watch that water come out. God was with him. And he was with him when he couldn't do without him at the end of his life. God said, don't worry, I'll take care of you. He walked him up on a mountain. And the Bible said, God took him. And God hid him because they would have worshipped where he was. God said, uh-uh, you belong to me. You believe God will be with you to the end? I hope so. Isn't that sweet truth? And then God said, now Moses, therefore, in light of all I've told you, go get them. You know what go get them meant? What did it mean, folks? Go get 
the children of Israel and rescue them from the single greatest power that was on the earth. Okay, Lord, I'm going to go get them. What am I going to get them with? That rod I gave you. <laughs> Just go on over and get them with that rod. You know, he said, must have said, Lord, you're crazy. But you know what? At thy word, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go. You may think what God would call you to do is the craziest thing in the world. But if God's called you, he said, all you have to know is that I'm real to you. And you're real to me. And I care about people. And I'll use what you've got. And I will never forsake you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we're here. And we're listening. You're talking to us every night. And we see ourselves among ourselves. Sometimes, Lord, we somehow evaluate ourselves among ourselves. We forget that you put your Holy Spirit in us like that engine, Lord, put in a Volkswagen. These old bodies are not worth much. But we have a treasure in these earthen vessels. The Holy Spirit of God lives in us. The talents and abilities that we have. And God, I pray tonight that you would help us. And God, I pray that you speak to every heart. Lord, we're looking for revival. When you bring it, it's up to you. But revival simply means to revive, to restore, to fill up the, the, the lacking parts in our lives. And God, I pray you'd bless tonight in your precious name. We're going to stand in just a minute and sing. Just go ahead and play. I talked to my wife this afternoon, right before I got here. Ask her how the day was going. She's taking care of her little mama, who's almost 90 years old. She taught school 50 years. She is a saint of God. She's got a terrible disease, can't breathe. So she's there taking care of her. And I said, how are things going? She said, I had the neatest thing happen today, sweetheart. I said, what's that? She said, it has been raining cats and dogs over here. But she's in Columbia, South Carolina. She has been raining cats and dogs. I said, really? She said, and I got down to the to Walmart superstore and I was going to buy Mama some stuff and I'd, I'd forgotten my umbrella. And she said, I sat there and I started to open the door and get out and said, a little lady saw me and she came walking by and said, just stay right there in your car. I said, I've got this broken umbrella. I said, a lady gave it to me just now and ours is in our car. And she said, if you'll let me get to my car, I'll get mine and bring the broken one back to you. And she said, I'll do it. So she just sat there and the lady went over to her car and got her umbrella and brought my wife the broken one. And she put the broken one over her head and went in and got the stuff for her mother. She was walking back to her car and she saw another little lady just like her. I was just about trying to, she went over and said, somebody just gave me this broken umbrella and if you'll stay right here, I'll go get my stuff in the car and then I'll come back and bring this one to you and you can get your stuff. And the lady said, that'd be wonderful. And so she did. And then when she handed that over to her, the lady said, well, when I get through with it, I'll hand it to somebody else. That's today. About five o'clock this afternoon. You know what, folks? All you have may be a broken umbrella. But if you let God use it, oh, how sweet it is. 
when we just use what we have. I'm looking at some folks tonight. I've been in this a long time. You know that. That's why I love everybody. I see a lot of folks in here who've had some hurts through the years. You said, preach, it's hard for me to trust. My best friend hurt me, this person hurt me, that person hurt me. I got a broken umbrella. You know what I wish you'd do? I wish you'd bring your old broken umbrella down here and say, God, my umbrella's broke. But if you'll let me, I'll lay it on your altar. And I'll use my broken umbrella for you. You just watch who God will put under your umbrella.